You're listening to Weird Medicine with Dr. Steve on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic, echographic, and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease, so I'm paging Dr. Steve. Dr. Steve! It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio. Now a podcast, I'm Dr. Steve. And I'm all by myself. Everybody is gone. We're on vacation. But our in-studio intern, comedian Cliff Andrews, a.k.a. 49 Cent, has consented to make us a best of this week. So you're going to get some best of uh, information and uh, clips from uh, past shows over the last couple of years. This is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the Internet. If you have a question, you're embarrassed to take to a regular medical provider. If you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call. 347-766-4323. That's 347-POOHEAD. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine, at Lady Diagnosis, and at DRScottWM. And remember, we're not your regular medical providers. And take it away, Cliff. So the next clip I've got is actually from June of 2017. Uh, it's with special guest Jeannie McKinney. She's just this super hilarious comedian. I'm sure you've heard her on here before. She's just wonderful, and I just love her energy so much. Like I, I found this clip, and I was listening to it, and I was like, man, her energy is like it's on point. Like, you know, I feel like she's that kind of person you see at the bar, and like you're just drinking a shot of whiskey, and she walks up to you, and she's like already had a bunch, and she's like, what are you drinking on here, you little pussy? Drinking alcohol, and she just turns over like she's like starts chugging like a can of regular unleaded gasoline and you're like oh shit this she's real i got to keep up that's that's how i kind of i kind of view her a little bit it's the best of weird medicine jenny did you ever smoke no you never did anything did you no what do you, what do you do what have you ever done any do you have any vices whatsoever she's broken every bone in her body no. and torn every ligament we know that i don't for know sure. i just i just didn't understand why people would do that to their body wow yeah and it would always make me really mad at roller derby when, you know, because I had bronchitis a long time ago and I it caused issues and uh, it actually changed my laugh. So a lot of times when I laugh, I'm laughing at my own laugh. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, they would come out of roller derby and light up. And I was like, yeah. oh, my God, I can't even breathe. They're in practice. And right. they just come right out and, oops. Yep. And uh, they could they just light up and they'd be puffing out there. And I was like, that's crazy to that's me. That's one of the reasons I didn't do well in soccer is yeah. I would smoke a cigarette before, one of the reasons. <laughs> before the game. Terrible. <laughs> one of the reasons. <laughs> yeah, one very good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know what's so crazy? So for maybe 30 years of my life, I haven't thought about roller derby mm-hmm. at yeah. all. Yeah. And then you were on the show. And for people who didn't listen last week, Jenny was previously a roller derby girl and your your name was yeah general man calves general man calves yeah. and uh and then somebody called in on the podcast mm-hmm. oh that was a roller derby girl right oh, yeah it was pretty cool and she yeah. wondered what your name was and she wondered if she knew you so we got to get the two of you guys oh. together we'll get you guys to yeah. talk about your, you know funny thing she, she seemed like yeah. she broke more bones than you oh mm-hmm. that, she can have it yeah i'm not trying to one-up anybody on that record <laughs> yeah no shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah what were you gonna say uh just with people's roller derby names, I don't know people's real names because in roller derby that right. you're only known to them as you know, Nutcracker or sure. on on our team uh, we had Les Roll. Um, <laughs> Les Roll, <laughs> That's so great. That is fabulous. Yeah, it, some of them are pretty funny. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, it's it's like the truckers; they know each other by yeah. their. Well, you got the East yeah. Coast cowboy and yeah. And I, I used to get on there, and I was Mister CB, <laughs> and I would go. Um, if you've ever been on CB, you ever been on CB radio? Uh-huh. Well, it's amplitude ma- modulation, so when they talk over each other, it just makes a big bunch of noise. Right. And I would get in the middle of a bunch of trucks, and I would go, 
Hi, everybody. This is Mr. CB. I just went tinkle and washed my hands afterward. I like you, no matter what you do. And then I'd let go of the mic, and all you'd hear is, and then you'd hear, get that three-legged beaver out of there. (laughs) This is the greatest thing ever. (laughs) Oh, God. I had so much fun. That was in my youth. I wouldn't do that now. Yeah. No, let's <laughs> get that three-legged beaver out of there. That was my favorite line ever. Oh. <laughs> All right, let's take. Hi, Doctor Steve. This is Ryan from Baltimore. Listen, I've uh, been using this uh, Panther pill. It's a natural uh, male enhancement pill, similar to Viagra, and I want to know if there are any long-term repercussions from this. If- okay, so uh, what he's taking. Uh, is this thing called a Black Panther. And I am reading, this is from the 2015. So they may have gotten their shit together and changed this, but this is an FDA fraud alert regarding this pill called Black Panther. And it says, the Food and Drug Administration is advising consumers not to purchase or use Black Panther, a product promoted for sexual enhancement, This product was identified by FDA during an examination at international mail shipments. And the FDA laboratory analysis confirmed that Black Panther contains sildenafil. No. So no wonder it works. Sildenafil is the active ingredient in Viagra. Mm -hmm. So this has happened multiple, multiple times where these... uh, Companies are selling, quote, unquote, natural cock pills. And uh, every once in a while, one of these companies will get smart and they'll sneak actual working ingredients in it so that people will buy it. And it may be bootleg sildenafil. They may be getting it from India or somewhere else where they can buy it in bulk for cheap because, you know, the patent rules on uh, on, uh, uh, medications in other countries aren't. The same as they are here, okay. and uh, but the FDA will um, uh, take these out and analyze them, run them through a GC mass spec or whatever, and, uh, and it's like, oops, <laughs> look what we have here, yeah. and try to pull them from the market. Now, this was two years ago. This same company may have come out with a new variety that isn't isn't suspect, and if they are, fine, you know. But uh, I, my position on this is, again, if you're, uh, it, it's hard enough to know you're getting the right thing from your pharmacy. Uh, they do a great job. Pharmacists do a fantastic job. But I've had an occasion where they've just made a mistake, mm-hmm. and I've gotten the wrong pill in the right bottle. It happens maybe one time in a million. I don't know what the what the odds are where there's a medication error like that. But if I can't 100% trust my own pharmacist, uh, how, why would I trust a, a company that's importing stuff from God knows where with God knows what in it? Because it's and it's not regulated by the FDA. The only time the FDA can step in is when they see illegal activity going on. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what's in it. Now, Dr. Scott sells some herbal uh, malarkey. Uh, he has his stress less and his uh, fatigue reprieve. But you have some sort of agency yes. that monitors what you're putting in it, right? And what is that? And it's, and it's got it marked on it too, right, where it says it's certified that what GM, you say is in it? GMP, good manufacturing processes. Okay. So that is some – third party that you contract with yeah. to say, look, here's what we put in it. And then mm-hmm. they say, okay, if, then we will stamp it's it acceptable, yeah. and approve it so that people have some confidence that what they're buying is what they are being told that they're buying. Right. And all, Can I and, see that box? And our stuff is all uh, FDA approved as far as the shipping and packaging and everything. Sure. Okay. Um, you is know, that it's, right? It's, it's a strange – Why a doesn't strange, everybody do that? Well, not everybody has to. I mean, you know – because if it, yours specifically says a dietary supplement, so yep. that keeps you from number one being able to make medical claims. Right. right, I do not claim that it does anything. Right, you know, that's why I can call it herbal malarkey, right and on. you can you just have to suck it up. But and, and no, but right. you know, GVAC and my wife take this stuff and, and they love it, and I take it all the time. Yeah, but, but you well, know, the sure thing you. is with 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 our stuff, I, probably ninety eight percent of the ingredients we have in there have all been um, researched yep. and independently, sure. but not in this formulary. And that's the thing. I was reading some of the ingredients on this Black Panther thing, and a lot of it's just vitamin B. 
Oh yeah, you know, and and it's well, niacin will give you a jazzy, flushed feeling. Right. Uh, most of them put uh, yohimbine in because Yohimbi's that's been in there too. Yep. shown to work. And guarana. And, yep. you know, there's a couple things in there. Yeah, guarana will make your yeah. heart beat faster so you feel like you're more energetic. Right. So, um, you know, who knows? I, know. I, I can't – if if this is a different formulation than the 2015 formulation, mm-hmm. um, the only way we can tell if it works is to do a double-blind placebo-controlled study. I'm sorry. That's the only way. Even mm-hmm. – when you um, uh, when you take ingredients that are proven to do other things in a different combination, for you to be able to say mm. that it does something. Now, Doctor Scott doesn't say that; he just mm. calls it an energy booster. That's right. So, but for Doctor Scott to make a claim mm-hmm. that it improves mental fitness or something, he right. would have to. Right. Give ha- you know a hundred people a placebo, a hundred people his stuff, and then give people a test and uh, make sure it's blinded so nobody knows what's what, and at the end of it, decode it and see if there's a statistically significant difference. Mm-hmm. And if there is, then he could, in theory, apply to the FDA mm-hmm. and and uh, try to make a specific medical claim. Right, make a claim about it, exactly. And right. it, you know, it's, but it's a, just so fucking expensive. Yeah, no, it's that's, crazy. That's the horrible part. I mean, I would love to do that well, for everything. billions of dollars to billions. get something, yeah. uh, something like... Uh, Prevacid to the market. Right. Yeah, I was quoted a hundred million dollars <laughs> to get to get through all of the FDA studies and do all the, the, wow. the research studies. Let's just say your level. Yeah. So how yeah. um, how much have you actually made off of stress less right now? Mm. Uh, just on in general, have you made a hundred million dollars to mm. say that? No. Not have you so. made ten percent of that? <laughs> no. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's why no. you can't do it. Can't do it. Can't afford yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So anyway, just be careful. I'm sticking with the malarkey. It's cheaper. <laughs> yeah, no shit. And and the other thing is, you can if if you're worried about the expense of sildenafil, there is a way to get it cheaper. And you, uh, compounding pharmacies, can make something for you if it's not available on the market. So there are pills of sildenafil on the market. So you they can't make you sildenafil pills, but there are no sublingual lozenges of Viagra. So they can make that for you and they can get it in bulk and they can make it really cheap. I would get hundred milligram, uh, uh, sildenafil lozenges, cut them in quarters. And I think that they were like two, three bucks a piece. And I, and last, if you check the prices on, uh, uh, Viagra right now, Dr. Scott, if you would find out what the price of a hundred milligram. What are you looking at, beer? No, I was looking at that Black Panther thing. I was, oh, just, okay. I was, okay. I was going real a relative price. Oh, yeah. And this thing, this thing is, it was $23 for six pills. Oh, is that right? Well, fuck it. There's not a whole lot of difference between that and Viagra. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see here. Let's go to Viagra prescription prices. Oh, golly. $62 for how many is that? 20, Damn. 20 Damn, bro. Yeah, it's expensive. Do they have to have a prescription? $60 a tablet at CVS, according to this. Yep. AccessRx.com. And that's if, that's if, that's if you're not, if you're not, um, if they don't, if they don't pre, pre qualify you. Go to a compounding pharmacy, get them to make it for you. What was your question, uh, Jenny? I was just asking if, if he actually wanted the actual Viagra, would he have to go to a, get a prescription? You have to have a prescription. Now, in some states, it is legal for doctors to do what they call telemedicine without a face-to-face examination. So there are some places where you'll hear they'll advertise, well, you'll talk to our doctor and they'll do a clinical evaluation and then they'll write you a prescription. And so it's it's kind of a uh, – they are exploiting a state that's got sort of liberal prescribing laws. Okay. And they'll sit there and people will call in, no, I'm not on nitrates, no, I'm not on, you know, X. Y and Z medications. I don't have any history of of hypotension and things like that. That that physician will then write them a prescription and then hand it over to their in-house pharmacist, who will then sell them the mm. medication. Okay. So it's a nice money-making thing, and it's relatively risk-free. Mm. You know, you get your the, the malpractice will cover you for that in those states because mm. it's legal. Oh, okay. But anyway, all right. That's now, good to know if I need it. Now, I, <laughs> exactly. I, <laughs> In case your penis is flaccid, <laughs> I, I, we had um, we had somebody that ordered some stuff from uh, an online pharmacy. They thought it was Canadian pharmacy, but the the box 
uh, came from the Seychelles, which is an, a, a group of islands off the coast of Africa, mm-hmm. and the medication was actually manufactured in India. <clears throat> and that's not necessarily a bad thing. India's got a very, you know, uh, uh, advanced medical uh, uh, system, but sometimes you don't know what you're getting. You think you're getting sildenafil made or Viagra made from by Pfizer, and you're really getting something else. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, people get something completely different. If you're buying Xanax online, uh, who knows what you're going to get? Uh, one person I read about, I didn't know this one personally, uh, ordered Xanax online, which is illegal. Okay, so that's mm-hmm. your first that's your first hint, yeah. and uh, it came from some you know third world country, and what was in it was actually haloperidol, which oh. is which is Haldol, which is not a controlled substance, but it's an antipsychotic. We used to use it for uh, schizophrenia. Ooh. Now, it has a kind of similar effect to Xanax, so that some people would take it. It's a lot less habit-forming, so it really wasn't a horrible substitution, but that wasn't what they ordered. Sure. <laughs> you know? It wasn't horrible. <laughs> anyway. The Haldol shuffle. So if you're the manufacturer of these panther pills and you've – and the FDA thing was either wrong or you fixed what you've got, that, good for you. Uh, I just can't recommend it till I see a double-blind placebo-controlled trial. That's out. All right. It's the best of weird medicine. All right. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, I've got I've got some more stuff here. This next clip is actually from July of 2017. Um, I, I picked this up because I just felt like it just it's so it's just you just gotta listen. Um, in this next clip. Our, our, our doctors discuss Pulp Fiction and uh, dill pickle leg cramps. I hope you enjoy. This is an even better Hey, question. Dr. Steve. This is Calvin in California. Hey, I Calvin. have a question about a scene from Pulp Fiction. Ooh. Uh, there was a moment where Uma Thurman played Mia Wallace, and she was laying unconscious on the floor, and they had to take an adrenaline needle and jam it through her sternum in order to inject into her heart pure adrenaline and wake her up out of the coma. I was wondering uh, if you remember that scene, how medically accurate that whole uh, depiction was. And I was thinking if she would taken something like um, hair. Anyway, okay. Um, Now he's getting into his commentary. Mm -hmm. So we'll just we'll stop it at the end of his actual (laughs) question. Um, Who could forget that scene? If I remembered nothing else from Pulp Fiction, I would remember that scene. And one of the things I remember about it was uh, I was in uh, or had graduated from medical school when it came out, and I was like, boy, that's a whole lot of horse shit. Right. It's great film, yeah. but it's a whole lot of horse shit as far as medical treatment is concerned. Now, have doctors <laughs> ever stuck a needle in somebody's heart? Yes. Yes. It's called intracardiac injection, and it's a last resort. I've n- never seen it done. Mm-hmm. I've seen a needle play, and, and you don't, first off, um, you don't have to go through the sternum. <laughs> right. It, they kept calling it the, the breast plate. you got to go through yeah. her breast plate, which I'm assuming they meant the sternum. Right. Uh, no, you go between the ribs. Yeah, there's and a you, hole there. There's and you don't, start, you, don't you don't use a sledgehammer right. to do it. It's not an You axe. actually get it uh, at the uh, edge of the rib, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, between the ribs, and then you just insert it nice and easy. Right. It takes some force to get through all that stuff. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it, but not that it's much. It's deeper than you think. And it is much deeper yeah. than you think. Yeah. Matter of fact, your scalp tissue is deeper than you think. You think mm-hmm. you, if you feel your scalp and move it around, it feels like. You think it's dead on the bone. Yes. Yeah. It feels like it's paper thin. Yeah. It's right on the bone. But when you cut into that, it's really, really deep. Mm-hmm. It's, it's weird. I, I, even knowing it, I'm, I'm feeling my skull, skull right now through my scalp, and it still feels like it's right under the skin, but right. it's not. But right. anyway, that is an illusion. Mm-hmm. So um, I have never seen an intracardiac injection done. I have seen uh, where they use that same kind of needle, go under the rib cage and point it toward the heart and try to um, uh, pull out fluid from the pericardium. That's right. Very good, Dr. Scott. I'll give you one of those because you were on the money. Uh, there, There is a tissue that surrounds the heart, and if it gets too much fluid in it, it can actually compress the heart to the point where it can't beat effectively anymore. We call that pericardial tamponade. Mm-hmm. And when you get that, they'll take a needle that has a, a, an electrode on it, mm-hmm. and uh, that electrode is hooked up to an EKG machine. And when you stick that needle in and point it toward the heart, when you start to see... Uh, electrical activity 
on the EKG machine, you know that you're actually touching the tissue of the heart itself. So you back off a little bit and you should be right in the fluid. Mm -hmm. And then you put vacuum on it or just pull back on the syringe and you can pull back the, um, uh, you know, empty the pericardium of fluid pretty safely. Right. And uh, it's uh, pretty interesting. So I've seen that, Mm -hmm. but I've never seen an actual intracardiac injection because we have other ways of doing things now. You can take um, epinephrine, which is the same thing as adrenaline, put it down an endotracheal tube, which is a tube that you put down someone's throat into their lungs to maintain their airway and Mm -hmm. breathe for them. Mm -hmm. When they're on the ventilator, you see in movies that thing coming out of their mouth hooked up to a big tube. That's Mm -hmm. what that is. You can put medicine down there if you don't have an IV. Uh, otherwise, you you can give that the medication intravenously, mm-hmm. and it gets there just as fucking fast, right. uh, almost, almost. Now, the the thing, so that's the intracardiac injection. So that part, the way they did it was very dramatic. It mm-hmm. looked awesome. Yes. It's great from a storytelling point of view because it was just so effed up, right, right. you know. <laughs> right. And why has that guy got a Got a, a giant syringe of adrenaline with an 18 gauge needle. 18 gauge needle's got about 50 cc's. Right. <laughs> it's not even like right, a little right, one. Right, right. Like a huge honk. Right. It was Black. like, like oh a quart God. of adrenaline. I don't, I don't think she needs that much. But. No, so that's, you're right. We use these little, little tubes that might have three to five mLs right. in them, little tiny tubes. But anyway, <laughs> uh, the, the problem is she. If I remember correctly, her heart didn't stop. She thought something was cocaine, and it turned out to be high-grade heroin. Heroin, So she actually had an opioid overdose, and that can be fatal. That'll stop your breathing, basically, is what happens. And when you don't breathe, you don't live, and you 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 get brain anoxia, and then your heart stops, and then you die. Mm -hmm. So what they should have given her was an app of what's called Narcan. Mm -hmm. Now— the reason I want to bring this up is because opioid overdose, although very dramatic and cool in that movie, is no fucking laughing matter. No. It happens all the damn time Every day. with people, particularly if they're using street opioids because you can't gauge how powerful they are. The one thing about pharmaceutical opioids is if you get eight milligrams of Dilaudid, you know, you're pretty sure it's actually eight milligrams of Dilaudid. Right. Or if you get you know 30 milligrams of Roxycodone, that's probably what it is. So if you... Uh, you know, are tolerant to that dose, you'd be okay. But when you're buying stuff off the street, what if you get something that's not adulterated? Mm-hmm. You're used to taking something that's adulterated. Now you get something that's four times more powerful, and then you're injecting it, and then you overdose and you die. So um, uh, the federal government has approved and uh, uh, a medication called Narcan for use in, in the home. Mm-hmm. And um, you can get it in syringe form, which is really cheap. Or you can get it in a slightly more expensive form. It's a Narcan nasal spray. Right. And uh, you, you can take a little class. Just look up uh, Narcan certification on the Internet. And you can take a little online class and get a little plaque mm-hmm. that you can hang on your wall if you want. And uh, then you are uh, uh, educated on administering this Narcan stuff. And what it does is it competes with the... Uh, narcotic uh, at the level of the receptor and just knocks it off. Mm -hmm. And when it knocks it off, it can't affect you anymore and you wake up. And if she had had an opioid overdose and they would have given her an intravenous or intranasal, Mm -hmm. and that's what the the thing that you can buy in the pharmacy is, uh, dose of Narcan, she would have woken up in around 30 seconds to a minute. And then when you do that, you got to call 911 right then because it's temporary. Right. You know, if they took a dose that's going to last two or three hours and then you give them something that's going to last 15 minutes, it's enough to get them to the hospital, but it's not enough to, you know, save their life. To outlast you don't the do other drugs. Yeah, right. not to outlast the yep. other. Exactly right. So, uh, but that's, you know, if they'd gone, oh, well, I have this Narcan nasal spray, let's try it. And then 30 seconds later, her eyes fluttered open and she went, where am I? Mm. That wouldn't have been as dramatic. <laughs> Is Uma Thurman getting a, um, a needle between the tits and waking up suddenly and then just being okay? Yep, and the thud that they right. gave him. It, no, it was great. Horrendous. It was so fucking great. Um, oh. No question, I am a huge Tarantino fan. 
And that doesn't even take me out of the movie because I can suspend disbelief in that universe. That's what well, you do. I still love my favorite. My favorite part in the whole movie was when, you know, they um, Bruce Willis went down and saved the guy from from yeah. um, the gimp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he asked him if he was okay. Yeah, I'm he, pretty fucking far from okay. I'm pretty fucking far from okay. Big <laughs> yeah, Rames. I just love that. Oh my god, that makes me. Yeah, that was the best ever. So great. I'm All pretty right. fucking far. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's the story on Pulp Fiction. Hey, this cool. is a follow up to a previous call. I called a few weeks ago talking about or asking questions about nocturnal leg cramps. Okay. And kind of what caused them and how to prevent them and things. Talking to one of the old timers up in the mountains, and they suggested dill pickle juice or eating a few dill pickles before I went to bed. I've tried that the last few weeks and have not had a single leg cramp. Okay, so hmm. I did some research on this, and there's a lot of anecdotal evidence about pickle juice. Hmm. And um, it, it's to the point where it makes me wonder if maybe there's something to it. I would love to see someone do a study on this. What could it be? Could it be something in the in the gherkins that leaches out, mm-hmm. or is it just the vinegar mm-hmm. and um, some sugar know. in there? Who knows? Yeah, it's hard because because we don't know which which pickle juice he's drinking. Because right. they, they have well, different, yeah. different types of pickling. Well, that's right. You know, my God, they sweet pickles, some dill pickles, pickles dill. butter pickles, <laughs> or, you know. exactly. <laughs> you never know. So that would be kind of cool. I hadn't heard that before. Yeah. They use pickle juice for all kinds of stuff. It's supposed to be good for you. Um, uh, This is anecdotal evidence. I don't have. I I looked on PubMed to see if they had anything Mm -hmm. on pickle juice. Couldn't find anything. It's also uh, anecdotal that you put a bar of soap in your. And we've had people call in swear that that works. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I have a funny feeling it's the foreign body itself because when I sleep with my iPad. In the bed with me, I don't get leg cramps. Mm-hmm. At least it doesn't seem to. Now, the other thing about this is, he says he's gone two weeks without having any leg cramps. Well, how often were they happening? Mm-hmm. He might have been coming up on the two-week period anyway. Because, yeah. you're right, if yeah. if it's intermittent, mm-hmm. let's say you go three months and then you get a whole bunch of them, and then you go another six months and then you get some, you have to take something for a year mm-hmm. to prove that it's actually doing something. Two weeks doesn't tell you shit. Right. It just tells you those two weeks you didn't have leg cramps. So I'm unconvinced, but I am interested. And I would like to do more research on that. What we've found absolutely works, and I can't tell you why it works, only that there are some uh, studies on this is uh, using uh, quinine. Yep. And the problem is we can't get quinine anymore because it caused cataracts in rats or something. So we can't prescribe it anymore. The FDA took it off the market. But you can absolutely obtain quinine at your local grocery store or drugstore in the uh, form of tonic water. And taking four ounces of tonic water before you go to bed, if you have nightly leg cramps, will definitely get rid of them. If they happen uh uh, while you know, there's nothing you can take while they're happening to get rid of them. You have to stretch in the opposite direction. So if you find that your toes are pointing because your calves are uh, contracting, then you have to stand up and you've got to um, extend your calves. The way to do that: stand on the floor, lean forward, and uh, and put your body against the wall so that's stretching your calves. The the Charlie horse or nocturnal leg cramp will go away. Mm-hmm. And then, if, but if you find that you're having them every night, then it's worth taking something every day. Yeah. And try four ounces of of uh, tonic water. You put a little lime in there and some ice. And uh, whether you do the gin or not is up to you. That's totally your call. If you know, if please drink responsibly. Mm-hmm. But it's really the tonic water that does the trick. Yep. I wondered if maybe there was magnesium or something in uh, in pickle juice. It'd be interesting to just find out what the constituents. Pickle juice are you'd have to run it through a gas chromatograph or a GC mass spec. That's a gas chromatography, a mass spectroscopy mm-hmm. uh, uh, machine that will show you what the molecular weights of things are, and you can sort of determine what's what's in some substance. And that that would be interesting to do that just to see if there's some you know interesting thing that happens when you put cucumbers in vinegar and heat it up. Right. There might be something. Might be something there. I don't know. Anyway. You never know. Nope. You know, we get all these antibiotics, 
from natural substances. Uh, They saw um, fungus killing bacteria on a Petri dish. And what you see when you're doing that is you'll see bacteria kind of form a slime over the Petri dish. Mm -hmm. And then if you drop a little uh, fungus on there and it's killing the bacteria, you'll see a clear ring around the the fungus. And uh, that was how penicillin was discovered. That's my understanding. Mm -hmm. And then you go, well, okay, so now what? Mm-hmm. Well, you take that clear auger out, and then you start breaking it up into constituents, and you can do that with a uh, gla- uh, sorry, a liquid chromatography setup, where you uh, solubilize that auger. You know, mm-hmm. it's just jello, sure. and uh, then you start running it through a resin tube, and then uh, you have a little detector at the end, and it watches for different molecules coming out because what the resin tube will do is separate molecules by their molecular weight. So the bigger ones will come down last. The smaller ones will come down early. And you can see these peaks just mm. by changes in the um, density of the, of the liquid as far as its refractive index. Don't worry about that, but how does it reflect light? And, uh, and then every time you get a peak, you put a different tube under there. So now you've got a bunch of tubes that have different molecules in right. them, and they'll be concentrated. And now you take each one of those and you dip that on um, a Petri dish and find out which one of them actually kills the bacteria. Because some of those proteins are just going to be from the gel itself. Some of them might be from the food coloring that you put in there or the blood. Sometimes we use blood auger, so it'll be proteins from blood. might be hemoglobin, things like that. But then one of those is going to clarify the, the uh, Petri dish, and that's the one that has whatever it is mm-hmm. that uh, caused the, the clearing and the killing of the bacteria. And then you just have your work cut out for you. Now that you can figure out which peak it is, you can do that over and over again until you get a ton of this stuff. And then you just have to analyze it. There's right. methods for doing that in chemistry to analyze those things. But that's, that's how they do this, and that's how they right. discovered penicillin. Right. And then you can take the penicillin, and, and once you know the molecular structure, you can synthesize it in the lab. Right. You can start screwing around with it. Well, let's change this nitrogen to a hydrogen or to an oxygen or to a sulfur and see what happens. And, uh, you know, that's how all these different brands right. of uh, antibiotics came about. So, you know, it's pretty interesting. It's, it's really cool. It's really It really all cool. stems from natural substances. Yep. Yep. The only purely um, engineered medicine that I'm aware of, and there may be some now, is a thing called praladoxime. And praladoxime is used for um, uh, um, uh, insecticide poisoning. Okay. People who get insecticide poisoning will salivate and they'll sweat like crazy and they'll get delirious. And this praladoxime stuff was specifically designed with knowledge of the receptor that the insecticides were, were contaminating. And uh, they knew how many nanometers they had to make this substance, you know, have little prongs, mm-hmm. uh, chemical prongs kind of, and and what – electrical charges they needed to adhere to that receptor and they just designed it on paper and then they created it in the lab and then when they gave it to people it actually worked and it wasn't from a natural substance at all it was just purely designed based on their knowledge of the receptor today's episode is brought to you by angie angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings. But I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. 
answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. The best of weird medicine with Dr. Steve. Is it? Who cares? You still hanging in there with me? If you've fallen asleep, I need you to go in, go into the, go to your nearest bar and just, you know, find Jenny there and see if she's got anything that could help, that could pick you up. Don't drink gasoline, but, you know, definitely find something to, to amp up um, your energy if you're falling asleep. Anyways, up next, I've got an actual uh, continuation of a previous clip uh, with our special guest host, Jenny McKinney, in it from June of 2017. This one is all about herpes immunity. Yes, Dr. Steve. Um, I have a question about herpes. Um, is it possible for someone to be immune to the herpes virus? My um, fiancé has herpes 1 and 2, been diagnosed with it. We have had unprotected sex um, for, uh, since we've been together for seven years. I've neither had a breakout nor have I tested positive for herpes. And I'm just wondering, is there a reason that... I'd like to know how he determined that he's not tested positive for herpes. Did they do... Uh, the only the only real test you can do if you're not showing symptoms is to do a blood test to look and see if you have antibodies. Mm-hmm. And uh, most people, honestly, will have antibodies to something because so many people have been exposed to cold sores and stuff and herpes simplex 1. And there is a, a hypothesis out there that if you've had herpes simplex 1, you that may confer some immunity, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly to infecting yourself, for example. You know, you could uh, – uh, Autoimmunity. You, you get, right. There are, you know, auto-infections too mm-hmm. where people can uh, take it from one part of the body to the other. Uh, they can stick their finger in a cold sore and then stick their finger in their eye and sometimes get ocular herpes. It doesn't happen very often, but the fact that it doesn't happen very often tells you that you're able to make antibodies, that you are, you do have antibodies to it, and that they confer some form of immunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, because otherwise, it would spread all over the place because right. it's a pretty virulent, you know, it loves to reproduce. So, uh, so yes, there is some possibility that you could be immune. The only way that you would know, though is if you had intercourse with her while she was actively <laughs> displaying mm-hmm. symptoms, which is unlikely, thank goodness, because she isn't going to feel like it and you don't want to chance it. No. The odds of, of transmitting herpes from one infected partner to another is around – it's lower than you think. It's around 10% per year. Mm-hmm. So if you are with somebody for 10 years, the odds are pretty damn good that you're going to finally transmit mm-hmm. it to them. But uh, the odds aren't 100%. They're never 100 percent. And some people shed more virus between outbreaks than other people do. Now, if you want to prevent um, transmission even further for other people who are out there, uh, the the infected partner can take lysine uh, every day. That the data isn't on it isn't great, but it's cheap. It's an amino acid that competes with the arginine that herpes makes its coat out of. So the, the hypothesis is that it that it would prevent the herpes virus from effectively making its coat, mm. and then uh, they can take Valtrex. You can take Valtrex every day to just suppress the amount of uh, virus that's being released. And if you ever have intercourse with someone and they call you up the next day and go, ha, 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 I have herpes, you can uh, call your primary care physician right then and take uh, a morning after set of uh, Viagra pills. And uh, the prevention dose, I'm not sure what it is, if it's 500 milligrams twice a day for four days. What did I say, Viagra? Viagra, No, I'm sorry, Valtrex. Okay, just make sure. Did I say Viagra before too? No. Uh, no. Okay. Just, the first, this time. Yeah, just, just this time. time. Okay. I was yes. like, oh. Oh. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Jenny's like, hey, that's awesome. Yeah. You get a big old. <laughs> she's gonna start. She's gonna be sending her. Get a big her husband an email. Hey, guess what? On her texting. Giant meaty that's rod, right. and then the herpes just <laughs> yeah. flies off because it's got no. You know, like right. a, if a cat can't scratch it, the herpes can't hang on to it. But uh, no, Valtrex. 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 Yeah. And I think it's 500 milligrams twice a day for four days or something, and you can pretty most of the time prevent. Uh, 
uh, contracting herpes by doing that. Mm-hmm. And by the way, if you are worried that you've been exposed to herpes, you're going to know within four days. Mm-hmm. And the primary herpetic event is usually not a quiet affair. It's usually the biggest, most widely blown, most painful and inflammatory uh, outbreak that you will have. Every outbreak after that is, will be less less intense. What is the difference between one and two? Excellent question. Oh, let me see. Uh, well, ah, shit. Never mind. I, I, ding, you, ding, well, ding. I'll push this one. That doesn't. It means that's a total non sequitur. Okay. I, I had. I have. Never mind. I had an ooh on one of these, uh, but I erased it to put something else in, and then I, now I'm pissed. But um, it is a. Um, uh, a great question. Herpes 1 is trophic. In other words, loves to live in the upper body, particularly the face and the, particularly the mouth. And herpes 2 is trophic for the genitals. Mm. Now, just like someone who prefers to live in Florida but now is living in Maine, yeah. th- uh, herpes 1 can live on the genitals. Oh. It just doesn't like it. Okay. And vice versa. Yeah. Now, uh, when you get herpes one on your genitals, you might only have one outbreak a year. Or you might have one or two outbreaks and then never have another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a lot uh, more calm than a herpes simplex two uh, infection where you'll have regular outbreaks that are pretty much the same every oh, time. Okay. Now, uh, people think, therefore, that herpes simplex one is the quote unquote good virus and herpes simplex two is the naughty one. But the truth is that herpes simplex one is the one that causes herpes encephalitis. People, when they get a brain infection with herpes, that will F you up mm. big time. And if babies get it, when they're born, it's really a problem. So a really herpes simplex one, even though it masquerades as being the good twin. It's really goofus in the goofus and gallant of herpes viruses, Ooh. if you remember goofus and gallant yeah. from Highlights Magazine. <laughs> so anyway, I right. had a friend, uh, her brother went to a strip club. It was his first time. He turned 18, and um, the stripper put his glasses down in her underwear. Uh, oh, no. And then gave them back. And he got a- And he passed out. He fell asleep with them on, and he woke up the next morning and had ocular herpes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh. for God's sake. That's terrible. Yeah, the no-contact rule includes fomites, too. So that, that illustrates an interesting um, point of infectious disease is the fomite transmission. A fomite is an inanimate object upon which you can deposit an infectious agent and then someone else can pick it up. Yeah. So, uh, you know, puke bugs on doorknobs and, you know, just all kinds of stuff like that. Or that's, that's fomite transmission. That's what that was. Yeah. And a herpes virus can live for a few minutes out in the, in the air before it, before it dries out and yeah. dies and denatures. So. so once he gets that in his eyes, then he'll have it forever? That's usually where it will come back, somewhere around there. Because what happens terrible. is it, it, uh, it, it, the body attacks it. Yeah. Finally kills it off, but a few of the viral particles will hide in the nerve endings that um, supply that part of the skin, and they will retreat back into these nerve bundles called ganglia. Ooh. And uh, they'll sit there until whatever, nobody knows. It's stress or whatever causes them to come back out again. Yeah. You know? Ooh. Yeah, it kind of sucks. Mm. So the uh, herpes is is uh, implicated in Bell's palsy too. Mm. So people that get Bell's palsy will think they had a stroke because they'll wake up one day and half their their faces uh, dro- drooping and numb. Right. And there are some uh, uh, neurologists that will treat those people with Valtrex right. and a steroid to try to prevent permanent damage mm. to that nerve. Anyway, all right. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate uh, Dr. Steve and Dr. Scott for giving me the opportunity to host today again. I really appreciate that. Our final clip is from December of 2017 when uh, we experienced a little bit of a uh, doctor strike here at the show. And we discussed a Bernie soapy penis. You all, thanks so much for tuning in. Enjoy. It's the best of weird medicine. Lethal. Non-traumatic or non-lethal. Right, it's um, seldom non-lethal. That means it's usually lethal. Right. So <clears throat> I didn't write the goddamn thing. No <laughs> it's a bullshit article. Okay, whoever wrote that article didn't know how to express themselves. Right. Properly. I think I think the point being is that 
let's talk about what autoeroticism is. Autoeroticism is self pleasure stimulation. That's right. right. Okay. So, Rosy red palm and her so, five fingers. That's a. That in itself is autoeroticism. Right on. Now, autoerotic asphyxiation is a little different. Is what um, um, John Carradine did. Was right. it John Carradine? Which um, Carradine? David, David, David Carradine. Woo, sorry, John. Yeah, David Carradine. Uh, David Carradine. Kung Fu. Uh, you know, allegedly. Um, and there, when I was a medical examiner in the state of Vermont, I used to get the medical examiner's journal, mm-hmm. and it is rife. With fun deaths, they loved it. They loved they they would show pictures of people that got run over by uh, steamrollers, oh my God. and run over by trains and stuff like that. Uh, they had one guy that gave himself a concrete enema, and if you know anything about concrete, it's yeah. an exothermic reaction. Is it hardens? It, gets it super heats up. Hot. He right. Cooked himself from the inside out. Right. There was another guy uh, that they had uh, who um, died. Uh, after giving himself a champagne enema and then engaging in autoerotic asphyxiation. Wow. And this is where people choke themselves. Mm. And they'll have these various devices to choke themselves to the point of unconsciousness as they're ejaculating. And it's supposed to heighten the effect. And it becomes very addictive. The problem with it is, is that if it goes beyond the point of uh, uh, unconsciousness and your fail-safe device doesn't work, then you die. Right. And this guy in the journal had given himself a champagne enema and got alcohol toxicity because, by the way, y'all, just fucking drink the shit. Right. If you're going to do champagne, just drink it. Drink That's it. what it's for because when you drink it, you can gauge how much you're getting. When you shove a whole bottle up your ass – and it gets all absorbed all at once right through your then. colon because right. that's what the colon does is reabsorb liquid. Right. Uh, you're going to get too fucked up too fast and you can't control it. Right. When you're s- sipping a little sip of it's champagne, a terrible idea. you're able to uh, sort of judge where you're going and try to not kill yourself. Right. You may get wasted, but you won't die usually. Well, typically vomit. You know, if, yep. you, get, if you, you drink not too, vomit, vomit, as they say vomic. down here, vomit. So, um. Yeah, that's a terrible way to die, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, my word. Well, I went to the Walmart and I vomited, <laughs> but they wouldn't give me no credit. <laughs> so, welcome so, to Hillbillyville. So, anyway, um, that's, yeah, so drink it. Don't do what this guy did. Don't. So, he gave himself champagne enema, mm-hmm. did autoerotic asphyxiation, passed out. The failsafe failed and he died. And when they came in and found him, you know, the, enema tube still sticking out of his ass his dick is in his hands the noose is around his neck and the hansen video is still playing oh my god on a loop so that's the worst part if of you the don't want to be embarrassed yeah. by your death don't do stupid things like that but anyway yeah. okay so this is from a, a medical examiner's journal that you're reading this from. yeah so we'll skip okay. through to the to the most okay. important part here so reports of bestiality typically involve descriptions of sexual relationships between humans and animals and are analyzed through psychological methods. No reports of bestiality involving the use of animal tissue for erotic purposes <laughs> have been published. We report really. The use, <laughs> we report that's that has they, they've not been published. In other words, these guys aren't publishing stuff that they right, do in their, in, their in their dark rooms. Um, but anyway, we report the use of deer tongue as a masturbatory tool. So here's where we're confused. Deer tongue is a is a masturbatory tool, right? Yeah. So, so which they, right? Are they cutting a hole in it and fucking it? Or is the or male a, using as, as or is a, a masturbatory woman tool? Shove, you know, just rubbing her clitoris with this. <clears throat> that's a tough question. I guess it could go. They either don't way. say. No, they do not say. Could that's got, there's got to be a follow up article or the actual journal article somewhere. I tried looking up and it did, did? Not, it did not go into the full Uh-oh, the I'm full report. Uh-oh. I'm going to say, sorry, I can't Call talk us right back now. later. Call back later. We, um, yeah, you know, you could go either way with that, I guess. If it's a large enough tongue or small enough penis, you could easily cut a hole in it and yeah, use just, it as a slide-on. Um, right, A, a right. sheath. It, it, a whole lot better to just go to Adam and Eve and buy a gel masturbator. And we've talked about those on the show as a as a device for training yourself <clears throat> 
uh, away from uh, premature ejaculation. Right. And I could see somebody, I mean, people have carved holes in all kinds of stuff and just, you know, gone to town on it. Uh, Portnoy's complaint, Philip Roth talked about uh, fucking a chunk of liver that he got sent out to to pick up. Oh, goodness. <laughs> uh, from the store. And mother sent him out to get a, 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 a liver from the store for dinner, and he fucked it instead. Well, I So guess. Portnoy's complaint is a great damn book. Well, and uh, – uh, I, I, of course, uh, when I was a kid, would take a uh, baggie and put it between the mattress and, and box springs and fill the baggie up with uh, some sort of lotion and then just fuck that. Mm-hmm. You get a lot of pressure doing that way. Uh, if you have a big well, – anyway. And, uh, and let, me, oh, let me tell you this. Don't do this one. Don't beat off with shampoo and then not wash it off afterward mm-hmm. because the skin of your penis will slough off. I had that happen. Well, and it's also potentially burns because of mucosal uh, membrane inside the um, urethra. The external, Yeah, well, if you get it in your meatus, cock hole yeah, particularly yeah, yeah. or the meatus as the Dr. Meatus. Scott is wont to say. Um, the other th- uh, thing, GVAC's favorite word, we got to use the meatus. <laughs> the meatus, because it's spelled meatus, M-E-A-T-U-S. Um, the other thing that's that's interesting is I would beat off with Vicks Vapor Rub, which feels nice and warm up until the point that you ejaculate. And there's some weird switch in your nervous system that goes off because it just has a nice warmth to it. Mm. And then as soon as you ejaculate, your dick's on fire. It turns on those nerve endings and you you can't get that shit off of you fast enough. And of course, it's Vicks VapoRub. Oh it's, uh, you can't get rid of it that fast. We should have I mean, had it can't a, be just rinsed off with water. It's should, petroleum. Right. We should have had a disclaimer on this. Kids, do not do this at home. So my right. my ex-wife, I told her that story, and she said, well, didn't it burn? And I was like, yeah. And I liked it. Burned good. And I liked it. <laughs> it burned so, so good. Anyway. I love to masturbate. I love to masturbate. I love to masturbate. I love to masturbate. All right, Cliff. Awesome job, man. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, check out Cliff Andrews, a.k.a. 49 Cent, August 2nd at Allendale um, Mansion at the Amphitheater out back. He will be uh, opening for Vic Henley. It's a free concert. So come out and uh, come say hello. If you're a Weird Medicine listener, you come say hi to me. I'll buy you a beer. So anyway... Uh, thanks always go to uh, Dr. Scott, 49 Cent Lady Diagnosis and all the rest. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps. Quit smoking, get off your asses, get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Has become comfortably numb.